Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. Championship weekend is over. Surprising results, MWWire.com. Again, that's MWWire.com to... uh, Read all of our content, which apparently Matt today, a lot of people decided to do that. So we appreciate that to keep it coming, right? Well, you know, we got the the news coming in very quickly, and and maybe shout out specifically to Brett McMurphy for <laughs> over at the Action Network for breaking out all the all the bold news today. Um, but yeah, you know, surprising res- surprising result from yesterday. Some surprises that came up today, as far as you know, bowl matches, eight of them all together. So that's you know, eight Ooh. more games that we have to look forward to, but. Uh, after that, we're after that. It's the long off season again. So we'll get to. We have plenty to talk about this week because <clears throat> we'll get to the bull stuff in a real quick. But I think one thing we need to discuss: we might be doing a Hawaii-centric podcast later this week mm-hmm. because that's interesting. Then also, what will be interesting? We'll, we'll we'll bring us up quickly in the bull stuff. But I'll mention it now. Who's playing for Hawaii and Fresno State? We'll find out later, I guess. Right? Because mm-hmm. that makes bull season interesting. But let's just get to it. The Mount Bush title game. If you saw this coming, you're a bit fat, big fat liar with Utah State dominating this game, crushing so, so, the Aztecs so, like a grape. Beating so them had, up. Uh, oh my gosh! It was I, had it, I had it. I mean, okay. So, so I, if you listen to our previous podcast, you knew that I had the Aztecs winning this game. So I had sort of an inkling of how I thought this game was ultimately going to go, but I did not see this. So you're telling me an Aztec defense that was giving up 17 points per game, best special teams in the country, would give up 46 points and have three special teams miscues lead to at least nine points, maybe 16 points? So, so okay, do we want to start with the unexpected stuff or the stuff that I sort of anticipated? Because I think you know, the, the short answer there is yes and no. Can we start the COVID stuff? Because that's a big deal. Let's start with I don't that, think yes. That, that's where we should. That was a concern, but I – like. I always swat people away and mute people left, right, Twitter. I'm like, guys, 20 people gone is we are not dumb and say that it's not an issue. But when it's only your starting tight end as a key contributor, I know they had to put a left tackle or something. Dominic Goodino. Yeah, he had to play tight end. However, 
does Matt, can I ask a question? How often does San Diego State really throw to their tight ends? Not that often. I don't believe, often I believe he had like what 15, 20 catches this year. How often do they throw a general? Not very often. Not very yeah, okay. So to expand upon that, but then I'll let you continue your point. Mm-hmm. You know, they mentioned that there was like you know 20, 20 players roughly that were out for this game. Mm-hmm. On the broadcast, they only mentioned five. So they mentioned the three tight ends that had received the bulk of the playing time this year. So Daniel Bellinger was, the, of course, the starter. Starter. Now, he was out. Jay Rudolph, I believe, was his backup. And then there was one other guy whose name escapes me. There's three tight ends. It was their, basically their wide receiver three, Tyrell Shavers, and uh, one of the backup offensive linemen, Daryl Bessent. So I went through because, you know, people kept bringing it up like, well, okay, they were missing 20 players. They're missing 20. So I went through and I looked at the participation report. That was generated afterwards, and I compared broadcast or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and I compared that to the the depth chart that the Aztecs had coming into this game, which again it probably isn't like a perfect exercise, but I didn't see a lot of names that weren't listed on the two deep that were that that didn't end up playing in this game, and maybe more to the point, when you look at the starting lineup for who the Aztecs actually threw out there. Bellinger was the only game, the only name yeah. really missing from that. Like everybody on the starting 11 on defense played in this game, as well as, you know, pretty much every single primary backup. And I think that's especially true in like the secondary, which tends to play a lot of guys back there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the starting offensive line was intact. Um, you know, some, maybe some of their, their backup depth was sort of forced into different situations. Like, you know, Gudino was forced to be a tight end and they were missing, yeah. you know, other, but, you know, all, they had all their other skill position players. You know, they had the starting quarterback, Jordan Brookshire. And so, yeah, I want to say it was like maybe sort of a factor, maybe in terms of like their ability to rotate guys in and out. But then at a certain point, that stops being an excuse. When you get blown out like this. This reminds me of the Boise State blowout versus BYU. Remember, like they had a million guys out COVID and we're out five guys, 10 guys, third string quarterback, all that stuff. But you know, it also doesn't impact when – because – it, we're not saying it's not a concern, but when here's what I want to say: there was wide open drop passes, a pick six that should have happened, a your putter blocks the ball off the back of your your guard your protection helmet for a safety, and you drop a touch that touchdown interception in your lap at, at basically which would, which would have been a touchback. It wasn't just the missing guys, but there was multiple opportunities. A little bit lucky, like the fumble and the touchdown with Calvin T- Tyler Jr. Jr. Mm-hmm. fumbling, and you know that's that's a little fluke and lucky. But th- at least three to five plays, at least two on defense. One was the picture. Was it Trent Thompson who should have that pick six? Went right through his hands. One of them. What was he the was he responsible for the one that fell in the off his knees in the end zone too? Essentially. Uh, so okay, so if we're gonna take this in chronological order. I just, you know, I just remember what I saw because my, as you know, my internet was an issue during the first half. So I was yeah, just kind so, of. So take it in chronological order. So Thompson did have the first one. It was in the Should first have? quarter. Yeah. And, and it was, it was right after, and, and maybe more to the point, you know, where you sit, where it were to my point of view, like at some point the COVID stops being an excuse and, and, and sort of takes away credit for what Utah state was able to do. It was scoreless in the first quarter. Both one teams of, were playing good defense and not great offense. And here's the thing. You know, one of the very first turning points in this game was it was on that, you know, fourth and one at the Utah State 12. Mm-hmm. The, and they get and the and the running play gets blown up in the backfield by Justin Rice and Byron Fonds. 
So it was, I believe, on the drive right after, or no, it wasn't drive right after that. I think it might have been a couple drives later. That was where Thompson had what should have been an interception. And a touchdown. Yeah. He would have taken that back for six. Because it was it was a pretty dangerous throw that Bonner had. But then, you know, beyond that, you know, it they weren't able to, you know, either neither side was able to get anything going, but at a certain point, like I said, you start to have to you have to start giving the Utah State defense credit for that, because you know one thing that came, became apparent pretty early in this game is that the Aztecs had a lot of trouble converting on third downs in this game. They're like zero for nine or something. To start they were they were one for eleven overall, but even this even in the situations where they were you know more favorable. You know, it wasn't like they were, you know, behind the eight ball all the time. Like, you know, their first, I would say their first four, four or five third down situations was third and five, third and eight, third and three, third and seven. So like not impossible situations. Third and eight, tricky, but still not impossible, like you said. You know, like the third down distance between these two teams on average was not totally different. For the Aztecs, they were they were facing basically third and seven and a half, at, you know, on average. Utah State was third and six and a half. So it wasn't like Utah State was tilting. Every time. The, yeah, they, it wasn't like they were tilting those situations in their favor a lot. But even when they did, Utah State found more ways to take advantage of it, like in third and short in particular. So four, four yards or fewer. San Diego State was only one of three. Utah State was four of six. Like that right there is a huge difference. But and, and then beyond that, you know, it's also you, like three. Look how many three and outs they had too. Like not just not converting third downs, but not even. Well, that's part of it. But a million three and outs, or there's stuff like that. I, I get all lines up, but they were not having any extensive drive, which doesn't matter how good your defense is. Yeah, other than the turnover on downs, the, the, I think it was you know three of their first four drives ended with three and outs. Should they have gone for a field goal in that in that position early on? When it was 0-0, their third drive of the game, they barely moved the ball. They finally had a good drive, and then they go for it and don't get and No, because – and and this was – you know, this goes back to – I like to aggressive, but I'm just figuring at that point, there's no point just put a couple of drives, get some on the board. Uh, no, because – and you know why? Because I think at that point you're saying if we get points for our defense, we trust mm-hmm. our defense to be able to hold – you know, to hold up. And so, you know, those are the exactly the type of situations that I was talking about, I think, most explicitly when it came to Utah State in our preview. It was how aggressive Anderson would be. Well, yeah, because and they had proven to be the more aggressive team just throughout the season in fourth down situations. And so, you know, in that situation where it's, you know, fourth and one at the 12, you know, all you need is one yard to get a first down. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if I'm San Diego State, I trust my, you know, what I think I do best, that running game to be able to get it done. It's just, you know, Utah State went in and made it a good defensive play. But it's just, you know, be, but after that, though, then you started seeing some of the other cracks that you mentioned earlier. You know, you mentioned like, you know, the special teams lapses that ultimately came up. But to me, it was more the the penalty trouble. Oh, geez. The ad that the Essex started getting into. I stopped, stopped counting to how many 15 yarders they had. They, I remember at least four in the, they had nine for 120. They had freaking Matt Ariza had a personal foul against them. Jeez, they, they, well, how, I don't, I don't know. I know they had nine for Do you know how many fifteen yarders? There's at least four. They had, five. they had five of them all together. Plus, plus like, a fifteen yard pass interference penalty on offense. Why well, is that fifteen in general? So, but yeah, but a lot. That's yeah. So that's like, hurts and, you bad. And and me and maybe you can make the case as I think you know, some Aztec fans were that you know some of those were maybe a little more ticky tack. 
because you know, one on, one on camera Thomas was just was it hard? But it's just he took too many. Like it wasn't like a brutal hit. Is that he took too many steps and pushed him over? Like, yeah, it's what it's. It wasn't a hard foul. It's just you can't take that many steps and push push. That would go against anybody. Like if even if it was a say a running back, a pass was high, like a swing pass, way too high. One, two, three, and knock him over. That could be a personal foul tell for like a late hit. A yeah, so it was, so it was more that, specifically. So it was that first scoring drive that Utah State had where. it was i don't want to say it was like flipping a switch but it was like you could tell something in the game had changed because that was where ariza well ariza had the very first punt blocked it was you know fourth and 13 at their own 26 yard line restarvis gets in to block that punt very next drive you know it's you know they have the personal foul penalty on patrick rick morris where he hits calvin tyler jr out of bounds on a short swing pass yeah it's like come on man geez you know the three plays later they complete a five-yard touchdown to Derek Wright. And, and so, you know, at that point, you know, you're basically giving up free real estate. You know, it wasn't like Utah State needed the help in order to kind of get things moving. You know, they had like, they got one big play in that first quarter. But other than that, they were relatively quiet. You know, like he was, it, they weren't necessarily getting as many chunk plays as I think they were hoping to. It, it, and it wasn't for lack of trying either. But then, you know, those same things, you know, kept coming up again, where, you know, the special teams again, and, and granted, you know, asking Ariza to make a 54 yard field goal is not an easy task. You know, no, that, that's, that gets that's pushed. Hard. Yeah. And then, but then again, the very next drive, Utah State goes down. They have another roughing the passer penalty. That's the one you mentioned on Cameron Thomas. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they punch it in a couple of plays later, one yard out. It's up, they're up 14 to nothing. They yeah, the you know, Calvin Tyler long run than the, the short one. Yeah. So it was just, it was sort of like, you know, you started seeing things where San Diego State started, you know, making mistakes that they don't typically make. But at the same time, you know, Utah State kept making plays that, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, that they hadn't always made throughout the year. So, like, the, you know, the big third down pass breakup that Nick Henninger had right Where before, right before that missed field goal. Oh, yeah. There's a, it could have been a touchdown pass if he didn't get him knocked the ball. That guy's wide open down the middle of the field. Exactly. Or, or the fact that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, Tariq Thompson had a dropped interception. So did Taylor in the, Hawkins in that second quarter. Zone. I, I believe it was, I believe it was at the five yard line. Well, it's close enough. Like it would have been touchback probably. Yeah. But like like he, it was, it, it, it went off his hands, off his knees. Like he's got to come down. Like he, if you have that one to pick six, like the, these weren't like the people being out, these weren't backups, not making plays. Like these were starters in there who just, it just, it just didn't go their way. Like it was, Everything that went wrong for San Diego State pretty much went wrong. Missed field goals, block punts, penalties are another thing. But the game didn't the, really start to be over, to feel like it was over really until the third the, quarter. Until the when, safety, I think. That's why I felt it was over. No, I, I thought it was the 58-yard touchdown to Brandon Bowling. Oh, was that the one before the opening drive touchdown? Because, you know, and, and they, they did a really good job of explaining sort of what happened on that play on the on the on the broadcast. But basically you know, Trenton Thompson stopped running with bowling in the slot yeah. because he thought that, you know, I believe it was Patrick McHorse was going to help. Yeah. I thought he was going to be able to help over the top and, and, you know, navigate backwards. And when that didn't happen, there was basically nobody within 10 or 15 yards of bowling from there. The route was on. Yeah. Cause it's ending like state can't score points because the reason I bring up the field goal, it's like backtrack and they made, well, whatever 50 yarders hard to do mm-hmm. this couple of field goals. Like, ask, like Utah state played well, but they missed field goals. They had a few issues here and there, but San Diego State just here's the problem when you when 
it's it's kind of what I said before, not not the way the game came out because nobody saw it coming. I thought it'd be a low scoring game like most people did, and Aztecs probably winning. But pro- problem is when your defense, who normally makes plays, isn't making plays, and when your running game only gets Greg Bell got what fifty yards in this game, uh, something like that, yeah, something like that. And your special teams, which is always huge for you, and uh, so they scored. Was it sixteen points off turnovers off special teams mess, mess ups? Uh, I'm trying to find that right now. Well, they got the safety. They got the in the first half. Um, no, they had the was it? A, uh, sorry, I wish I had. No, they scored a touchdown. I think technically they only. Well, I mean, according Nine. to stat broadcast, they only had three points off turnovers. That's weird. Well, I mean, special teams, not just turnovers, but special teams. Oh right, right, right. So, so the safety, special teams. Mm-hmm. They had the block in the first half that led to a touchdown. Did the second block have a touchdown as well? I don't recall. I believe so. So okay, sixteen points like. Normally, that's like their reason they can win games by switching field positions and all that type of stuff. And we, like I even said, like, well, it could be a bonus for both teams because Savon Scarver can return pretty well. Aztecs can return well, but obviously the punting game, but it's that's huge. That's 16 points there. Pick six. That's think of it this way 16 points of turnover of the special teams, three points of turnovers. That's 19. The pick six that could have happened is 26 points. The get an interception near the goal line takes away seven points. Like, that's like a 30 point swing. Off of, off plays that I don't think they're in. Not that that would happen, but there's a good tw- 25 to 30 points that if Aztecs just make their plays, would would this outcome would have been? Why? Who knows what the outcome would have been? Right? Like if you get if you get the punts off, maybe Utah State still scores maybe 10 points instead of you know what I mean 16 because they get a touchdown on a field goal off of punts just because their offense goes normal, but there's not safety. There's not this other just bad juju going on when you, when you're, when things are going well, like there's multiple plays where San Diego State just did converted half of them their way. Maybe this is, maybe they win. Maybe it's only a one score game. And it's something down to the wire. I don't think that's too far fetched to say. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, at a certain point though, the ifs really start to add up. No, I know. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? I'm not giving excuses, but. No, no, no. I get what you're saying. I I think, you know, but, but it wasn't like, you know, everybody played well either though. Like that's the other thing, you know, at some point you like, you know, you need your playmakers to step up and make plays, you know, the secondary blew a a couple of really critical coverages in the running game, you know, had, and the running game had a few big plays back when it was still competitive. But then at a certain point, you you look back and you realize, okay, well, Jordan Brookshire completed under 50% of his passes. Again, he threw 23 times, doesn't go well. They had to bring, they brought in Jalen Maiden just because all the game's pretty much over. It's give him some playing time. Yeah. Yeah, 50%. Like if he goes 11 for 17 and 117, that's fine. But 11 for 23, no interceptions. But still, there's all the other stuff that was going on. They had a couple, two fumbles, Jordan Bird, Greg Bell. It's like, well. Yeah. And, you know, hey, and, cool. and Jesse, you know, to his credit, Jesse Matthews had a really good game. Yeah, he, he, he came up eight, like, well, eight, what, eight, eight catches, eighty-two yards, and a score on twelve targets. Like he was, yeah. Which is not to say that they didn't have any other reliable receivers. Like you know, BJ Busby caught three of his five targets. Elijah Cody had you know two of his three like, targets caught. It was just you know the the passing game wasn't there in the same way that it had been for most of the second half of the season. And, and no, because Matthews had what six touchdowns in the final like three or four games. Well, I'm, it's not just that; it's just you know the quarterback play wasn't there. And, yeah, and, it's been, and it's part of that was Brookshire. But again, part of that has to do with the fact that Utah State showed out on defense. Can I call it too? Brookshire would have a down game after playing well when he came in in reserves, just like uh, you know Justin Rogers, UNLV. 
all a lot. But, it, ability, the, I, but to me, the more shocking thing was like, you know, I think everybody was sort of on the same page that the Aztecs were going to have a really, maybe not a significant advantage on the offensive line. But, you know, you're talking about a, a unit that had like, you know, two, like one or two all-converse type players. And, and they gave up five sacks, eight TFLs, six pass breakups. You know, Nick Henninger had a couple of pass breakups. Where the Jordans out there and, to fly, man, jeez. And, <laughs> and eight quarterback hurries, like... You know, that was a dominant performance by that front they embarrassed seven. The, they embarrassed us at San Diego State offensive line. Yeah, and, and like everybody was making hay. You know, Justin Rice had a sack. Byron Vaughn's had a sack and a half. Marcus Moore, A.J. Vaughn, yeah. Like it was, it was basically like, it, you know, it was, it was a team effort in the same way that like, you know, we had seen it at times. It was, it was just sort of one of those things. Well, are they going to be able to do it against this offensive line? mission accomplished yeah. like you know that that right there is another major factor in this game the, wasn't is it i should look this up i could pull it out but the only all-conference player utah state was devin Tompkins, right from the conference stuff i believe so yeah it's like no justin rice no obviously logan bonner not obviously but uh, just a lot of good quarterbacks he's like what technically quarterback number four maybe you know what i mean you, I think Carson Strong, Jake Kane, he was an honorable player. mention yeah it's like a quarterback play but like so Here's a bigger question. Like the rest of the game, the fluky fumble then when Jordan Nathan scored, that was kind of like, oh, it's just kind of, oh, well, everything's going as Aggie's way at this point. Mm-hmm. But what, where was this Utah State team all year? Because they got blown up by one. And we, people criticized us, oh, they're losing, blah, blah, blah. Or we're now Utah State side. I'm like, please leave us alone. <laughs> it's funny. But I don't, I still don't think we're wrong because this result is quite puzzling from what we've seen all year. They get beat out by Wyoming. They struggle for random times throughout games against the Mexico State. If the other teams are Col- or Colorado State, this team is hard to peg down to what they can do well. And so, if you're saying they're gonna they're gonna win, it'd be like what you and everybody else are like a close one. But this team just so like even our DMs like they're playing Oregon State in the in the Kimmable. Uh, our buddy Andy Dykov, who's an Oregon State guy, is like, so "What do you expect?" And we're like, "Me, I think for Sam Logan, like inconsistent." You know what I mean? Running game could be great like this game or could give up 500,000 yards. This team is just hard to peg, and that's been their issue. Yes, heck, they finished 10-3. It's amazing. But they're a wild – not inconsistent, but a unpredictable 10-3, if that if that makes sense, because their game's like, well, are they really this good? They're beating these teams. They got blown out by Boise State, but it was more of a turnover issue. They, they beat Air Force in a high-scoring game. It's like the team has – their floor and ceiling can be all over the place, so it's hard to tell. Like we know they're really good, but they can also be not good for a couple times, or just be sporadic in a schizophrenic type of football team. So I'm going to answer that question by referring to a tweet that I put out there, you know, late yesterday after the game was over, and and you probably know the one I'm referring to. Probably there's a lot of tweets. So for first remember, I honestly don't know exactly. So so yeah. so are you familiar with the circle of suck? Oh, you mean who beats who? That one. No. Yes. So, oh, so in gosh. a nutshell, you know, if you and you've probably seen graphics on this if you're on Twitter. So basically, like I laid out how, you know, there was a chain by which you know Utah State beat San Diego State, and then San. Uh, do you want me to just read it? Yeah. Just would, that, read. would that be really boring? No, it's not. Just go for it. People need to know. Okay. So just Utah. Utah so so Utah State beat San Diego State in the championship game. Mm-hmm. San Diego State beat Air Force. Air Force beat UNLV, UNLV beat New Mexico, New Mexico beat Wyoming, mm-hmm. Wyoming beat Colorado State, Colorado State beat San Jose State, San Jose State beat Hawaii, 
Hawaii beat Fresno State. Fresno State beat Nevada. Nevada beat Boise State. And Boise State beat Utah State. Yeah. So that's a long way of saying that it is very hard in a small sample size, like a college football season, to be consistent from week to week, unless you're like an elite, unless you're like an Alabama or something like that. Every team in the Mountain West this year had at least one clunker. And so the, yeah. the Aggies aren't, the, aren't really an exception in that regard. And, and neither are the Aztecs. And so, you know, I think the, the bigger, maybe to kind of narrow the focus a little bit, in my opinion, it was always about how much was the defense going to be able to catch up to this offense. And what you started seeing, especially later in the year, is that defense was really starting to pick it up. And so like, it, and I know that we put out like the SP plus rankings, you know, week after week. And to me, like, that's where the biggest area of improvement on this team was, is just their ability to get into the backfield, create havoc, you know, force turnovers, create mistakes like that. You know, we weren't really seeing as much of that in the first half of the year, which is why you ended up like with games like the Air Force game where, you know, they bent a lot. But again, you know, they found ways to, you know, create turnovers and make plays when it counted. And as the season progressed, you started seeing more of just like, you know, not necessarily being fortunate, but just being good. And that's exactly what they were in this game is they were just dominant on all fronts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I know they can't be done every game. It's just, uh, it's like if you're listening to Solid Rebel, it's like when you're clunkers and they won quite a few of them and 10 and three is 10 and three. But then again, there's not necessarily a luck factor or. But, I, but, but I would also or, say too, that like, good they, too. You know, they were, they're they also were, a good team. But there were other you know instances that we really overlooked, I think, with regards to this team too. Like, you know, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the, on the preview podcast or not, but, you know, we coming into this game, they had the best red zone defense in the entire Mountain West. You know, in, ter- in, ter- in terms of their ability to keep opponents from scoring touchdowns, you know, they were under 50% going into this game. Um, San Diego State was three of five in the red zone. You know, we talked about that, you know, the fourth and one stop at the, at the Utah State 12. But, you know, the one touchdown they scored was when the game was already well out of reach anyway. You know, they forced a couple fumbles. You know, they, you know, they forced, you know, they, they, they did their job on all fronts. And, and some of those, you know, in some of those ways, they had been doing it all season long. And in other ways, it was just a matter of sort of polishing off the rough edges and, you know, being a complete unit. And honestly, that's a credit to the defensive coordinator from Banda and as well as, you know, everybody on that unit, because, you know, they, and again, this was something else they pointed out on the podcast, like they brought in all of these pieces from other programs and got them to play like this on a big stage, you know, less than, you know, what, you know, months later. It's a yeah. really, it's a really remarkable, I'm, I'm not even going to call it a turnaround. It's just like a remarkable culmination of what this team set out to do. Is this, this may be off season to talk about, but they are the most improbable Mountain West champion, as far as I can remember. Uh, the only thing that would have been closer is had that three-way tie year to Mexico went to the title game in the morning. 
that that was the was New Mexico, Boise, and Wyoming. That three oh, tie uh, and Air Force, I believe. Or Air was, Force. That, was that the year? They, was that the year they all won ten games? Something like that, where there's like a three way tie. This like improbable, just like you mentioned. But again, I need to. Who knows if there's new people listening or whatnot? But Utah State literally quit last year and didn't play their final game of the year with one game. Gary Anderson again quit like he did at Oregon State, where oh he's not giving money back to coach the team or taking money, but he leaves the assistants high and dry midseason where it's hard to get a job when it's kind of tricky but this team was basically left for dead and predict fifth and i'm going to do a piece this week about i wanted to wait till the title game was over after thinking about it because i did so much stuff but basically how wrong we were essentially for our preseason picks and stuff mm-hmm. just kind of compare because that's always fun because be accountable and people can make fun of us it's great and whatever but like this maybe San Jose State last year these last two conference champions are Nobody saw this coming. Like more, maybe San Jose State's a bit more because how bad they've been the past while outside of the David Fells years. But this in San Jose State last year, very improbable to get to the conference championship game and win. Last year's a different story, but they still went undefeated, and I don't care. They were really good last year, San Jose State. Mm-hmm. But I out of that case, usually it's like you know when Fresno a little bit when they went from one to ten did they win that year Matt or did they just get to the title game no they got to the title game but they lost it to Boise State okay like there's a lot of big turnarounds but like to actually win it it's got to be these past two and this one not it's hard to say because San Jose State was slowly increasing but from what Utah State is going through midseason last year till now oh boy this the most unlikely conference champion in the league's history I want to say not a fluke either. I don't think it's a fluke. They, like we could say they're inconsistent because they were up and downs. Not a fluke when we 46 to whatever they won. Was it 46, 13 here? Yes. Yeah. Like not a fluke they won, but just kind of nobody saw it coming. Like everybody, like the only people, people on Twitter, like preseason, I remember, Oh, they're going to do this. They're going to compete. We're like, whatever, get out of here. Just some super Aggie fan, which and that could be the case, but they're, they're still be lying to themselves. They think they knew they'd be this good or have a chance. They're just saying, well, we got these pieces. Like, yeah, you got pieces. But remember the first month of the year, they had Andrew Peasley and Logan Bonner because neither were healthy or Bonner wasn't really successful and is still coming off the injury, which made him not look as good. Mm-hmm. So all those fans back to we told you, I'm like, you can say all you want. Say, oh, they're going to be great. You're just a big, big time fan, which is awesome because your team did great and I love it. But you can't be serious and say, oh, they're going to compete for the conference title after what we saw last year. I mean, I, I, first, I year, first year I, head coaches don't do this. Not typically, not always. It's, and so that's why it's, it's very surprising. I'm, I mean, I'm interested in sort of the lasting impact of how they built this team and, and maybe, you know, how they executed their game plans because, you know, we didn't really talk about it in terms of like how they attacked the Aztecs in this game. But one thing that stood out to me was just like how, I, I don't know if brazen is the right term for it, but like, you know, we, we knew coming into this game that, you know, San Diego State's ability to defend the pass was probably like one of the things that they did best, right? And Utah oh, yeah. State came out swinging, and Dude, you know, going we, deep. It wasn't. It wasn't Devin Tompkins either. No, no, no. And and it, and I feel very vindicated for for pointing out Brandon <laughs> Bowling on the preview podcast. You know, he was the one that actually led the team in yeah eight catches, one hundred fifty four yards, and two touchdowns. So um, you're welcome. Should on he that, have been MVP? Would you? Would you? Should you? Should he have been MVP over Logan I mean, Bonner offensive? I mean, I can understand why they gave it to Logan Bonner because he did have a great game. And, oh, and he amazing. but he, and he had a great game because he he was not afraid to attack the Aztecs down the field. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that they gave him time to hold up, even though he did take a few hits, got up yeah. slow once or twice. Yeah, you know, I think he had a you know banged up, you know, non-throwing wrist at some point. 
Yeah. But, you know, he took shots and then just and kept a couple on swinging. That were just inches overthrown, too, one or two. Like a couple that were just could have been caught, but just a little bit far away. Yeah. And, and then, you know, they were, you know, he was throwing, he was at like, you know, rolling out to the left hash mark, but then throwing to someone out on the right sideline or something like that. It was like, wow. Okay. He's oh, really yeah. going for it. But then, you know, they, but then, you know, they, they went for it on fourth down themselves a couple of times, converted both times. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, you know, they put the pedal to the metal with a team that was, you know, coming into the season really built in a way that was unlike every other team in the mountain West, you know, with all the transfers. And so, so I'm, re- I'm really interested to see if other teams in the mountain West or maybe across the group of five, look at what they've been able to accomplish in Logan and be like, well, okay, can we do that? Why do you think they did that? Because I'm not sure because Devin Tompkins wasn't great last year. It wasn't like nothing like this. They brought in a transfer quarterback, new coach, transfer defense. A lot of these guys are still on the – here's the thing, too, that's interesting. A lot of the guys were on the team last year. Like, it wasn't bringing in 20 new transfers. Yeah, like, they didn't, they didn't convince everybody to come back. But they, could, they did convince a lot of guys to come back. But guys, like, new guys – like, who – like, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm shooting from hip here. I should probably know, but – New guys, like brand, brand new transfers. What, Justin Rice and Logan Bonner? Well, okay, Any? so there's Bonner, there's Bowling, there's... Oh, Bowling, you know, okay. Um, you know, Tompkins, Tompkins was going to leave. You know, Calvin Tyler Jr. was a transfer from okay, uh, Oregon too. State. That's right. Okay, him too, um, that's right. You know, Justin Rice, Hunter Reynolds, Byron Vaughns, Marcus Moore, Cash uh, okay, Apologies. Uh, Patrick Joyner. <laughs> yeah, like they were putting like, it's literally like nine or ten guys who were came in off the transfer portal and are impact starter guys, which is you know relative to everything else in the Mountain West that happened this year, unheard of. But they found a way to make it work. Well, Logan Bonner basically said he's coming back next year. Mm-hmm. I saw a tweet from some. I retweeted because I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have. See, Devin Tompkins is gone. Wouldn't surprise me, but I'm not sure if that's the case. I've looked around, but I haven't seen anything about it. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Also, Utah State, were they, how did they not get ranked at the final poll? <laughs> uh, well, I know they got ranked in the AP poll. Did they not? I'm looking at the playoff poll. Were they still standing to go state number 24? Yeah. <laughs> not a problem. I was just wondering. Okay. Um, anything else to add about this game or team? Because I, it'd be nice to see if they keep going. We'll see. But I think that's. Anything on the Aztec side at all? But I mean, it's it's. Get a, def- I mean, get it's, a quarterback, guys. Get a QB. I don't know. That's what my always. That's what I always think for San Diego State. Get a decent quarterback. Well, I think I think they're looking forward to the Will Haskell era, in a lot of respects. But I mean, I think you know, for the Aztecs, it's you know they they knew what they wanted to do. They did it for the most part all season long. And I mean, I don't really see that you know they're going to radically overhaul their offensive philosophy in particular going into the next year, you know, they'll obviously have one more chance to kind of prove it on the field, you know, in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I mean, I think it's not necessarily that they needed a, a new quarterback, you know, they just needed more than they got in this game from Brookshire. And so in that way, it's sort of disappointing because, you know, where the defense maybe took a half step back in some respects in the, in the second half of the year in particular, which, you know, I, I pointed out, you know, sort of in the middle of the game that, you know, for the year they were giving up roughly six yards per attempt, but in November that average crept up to about seven yards per attempt. You know, so they were getting pushed a little more often and they were giving up a few more completions per game. You know, I think it was in those four November games, they were giving up 60% of completions as well, which is, I believe if my math is correct, is pretty much what Bonner was able to accomplish in this game, 29 or 42. 
And so I think, I think, you know, like their future is still relatively bright. You know, I think, you know, the game plan is still in place. What they want to do is still in place. Maybe they were ahead of schedule. Maybe they were a little bit fortunate to, in the same way that Utah State was, to win so many close games. But I don't necessarily think that that means they're going to take like a huge step back or regress all the way to the mean or beyond it going into 2022. You know, obviously they're going to be losing maybe some impact guys like Cameron Thomas if he decides to leave early for the NFL. But, you know, the, a lot of the uh, elsewhere, you know, a lot of that young talent isn't going anywhere. You know, like Jaden Lenarm said, could step into the breach at running back and be part of that committee. Um, you know, like Noah Tumblin is going to be back. You know, Noah Avenger is going to be back. CJ Baskerville, who another guy I pointed out, he had two pass breakups in that game. Um, so, I mean, I think they're going to be fine. Obviously, it's not necessarily, the, it's not the result they wanted. But I don't necessarily think they're going to necessarily not be a contender going into the near future either. Yeah, they're going to be fine. It's just it's yeah. always the thing with San Diego State. It's they have, they have, it's what they are. They just they are, again this title game. Not I'm not going to say everything went right for Utah State and everything went wrong for San Diego State, but it's almost like 85. percent It was pretty close. <laughs> it was pretty close. I'm just saying, like, who expects three special teams issues, um, like drop passes? It's this is arguably the worst game San Diego State played all year. It is yeah. the worst game they played all year. And Utah State, this is their best game all year. So Utah State showed up to play. San Diego State, not say they didn't show up to play, but results were results speak for themselves. And you, But you know what? They both get to go bowling. Ball time. Good move. All right. So here we go. We're wrapping up here because we're on a time crunch here. About 15 minutes. Not a ton to talk about. But eight bowl games because, you know, is the new bowl game called the Frisco Classic? Is that really the name of it? I believe what was it the Frisco Football Classic is what it's officially uh, called. Like so called. I think like, I think it was I think it was CBS Sports who called it the Mystery Meat Bowl. Sure, why not? But uh, but you know I I I like I like how they call it a classic even though it was literally made about a week ago. Totally. <laughs> so we have eight teams going bowling because the new the reason we're bringing that bowl game because they want everybody to go bowling because I think it would have been Ball State would have been left out. Yeah, so, I, no, I, it was either Ball State or Miami of Ohio. One of the Mac, one of the Mac teams. Unfortunately, so we have eight teams go bowling. Hawaii stays home, which is fine. Um, let me ask you a quick question: How does the Arizona Bowl get picked number two? Were they like the worst bowl position years ago? I didn't know that there was a, a set hierarchy. Me neither. But BJ Rain said they got the second pick. Yeah, and I, he had mentioned that. Andy Evelos mentioned that in the conference call. I'm not sure oh, how that works. So here's the bowl matchup. We have. Um, I should pull up an article here. Somebody read it. So we have. Is the PUBG a new uh, name for the New Mexico Bowl? The I believe it's a game? brand new sponsor. Ever. I was looking at it days ago. It's, it was simply the New Mexico Bowl. Now it is the – is it PUBG or is it just P-U-B-G? I, don't, I have no idea. I It's PUBG. Okay. Makes more sense. It's, it's a, like Fortnite kind of game. That makes sense. Is that, pl- is that the, like the underground battleground or whatever? Yes, yes. It's yeah. So like, if they, here's what sucks. Hey, it's like Fortnite. What is it, PUBG? It's like Fortnite. So Fortnite gets extra pub with it too. Gotcha. I mention that every time. I've played a little bit on just here and there. Okay. Yeah, New Mexico, Fresno State versus UTEP, which is uh, uh some awesome. Dan, Dan and Demo got the miners to a uh, seven to five record. Were they five and zero at one point? I believe. Uh yeah. Pretty good. Did, okay, I'm, I this may sound dumb, but were Fresno State and UTEP in the whack together? Yes, At they were. Point? Last time they played was in 2004, the year before UTEP left for Conference USA. So there was Fresno State part of the, obviously the 16-team whack. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, this they, is really dumb. They were in the they were in the whack together into the two thousands. Yeah, how far back was Fresno State in the whack? Uh, I want to say were like, they the Big West before. I want to say they were like yeah, I believe so. Because I remember like, like into like the mid nineties, I think they were the Big West. Okay, I just, I just for some reason I'm like Fresno State was in the whack, but they weren't there for like they weren't playing BYU and Utah and Wyoming all the time. That's why I remember. No. Like, that's the, okay, so um. That game, we'll get to those games later. We'll, we'll just kind of briefly go through these because we're going to go quickly. The one thing about this game is no coach. Who all left to go to Washington? Is it currently just officially um, Kellen DeBoer or did offensive coordinator go? Anybody else follow him along so, up there? Do we know yet? So I can't recall if any of those moves have been made official, but there were roughly four or five coaches who were going to be following DeBoer to Seattle. So right now the interim coach is Lee Marks, the running backs mm-hmm. coach. Uh, although I did note earlier today that William Inge, the defensive coordinator, did tweet about Fresno State's, you know, upcoming bowl game. So I'm, I'm, I, I took that to mean that he would at least stick around for that. Well, they just have Jeff Tedford coach because he's going to be the head coach in like a week. Well, we'll, we'll wait and see. Paul Bob Stoops, come on. Barry Alvarez. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Um, that'll be a fun. The reason it'll be an interesting game because I don't know who's going to win because no quarterback also. Um, is Jalen Cropper still on the team? Because Jake Kaner is going to Washington. Right now he is, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. That's a pretty big deal. But if not, here's the thing. If not, we'll see the future week one. You know what I mean? Or bowl, bowl game number one or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. we have that game. Do we have the uh, Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? Who is he, what is he doing at the bowl game? He tweeted some snarky comment with Utah State played Oregon State. Yeah, he, but, was, uh, he, he was giving permission for them to do battle and then said, may God help us all. Exactly. Is he going to be like the coin toss guy? What's he going to do? He better show up during the game at some point, right? I'm sure he will. So we have them playing Oregon State, who has turned around. They did beat Utah somehow, which still perplexes me. They, they beat five. Hawaii in non-conference play, too. That's true. They beat Hawaii as well. Um, hey, Calvin Tyler Jr. gets to face his old team. So That's true. It's also the Gary Anderson Bowl. You're burying the lead. Ah, uh, the Gary. Okay, do, have, we, have we tweeted that out yet? Because that's a pretty good thing to do. So. <laughs> I, I mentioned that in the article when I posted it. Okay. I didn't think about that. Yeah, Gary Anderson. Or I even mentioned it early in the recap. Right? <laughs> the game Oregon State and Utah State, him leaving them high and dry. Um, it's an ABC game, so it's the first bowl week in December 18th. I believe these are all chronological, chronological order we're going through, so we got the Idaho Bowl, Wyoming, Kent State. So you got to play a MAC team. A lot of MAC. As somebody put on Twitter, Matt, this should be the MAC Mountain West Challenge Bowl season edition. Exactly. Uh, Kent State, seven and six. Did anybody in the Mountain West play Kent State this year? I'm trying. I think somebody no, they did not. Did okay. I'm thinking okay. And now you end up with the conference title. So that gives Wyoming to some pretty good credit being two conference champions. Yes, that's true. So good for them. So they're made the official Mountain West American Conference champions. Uh. Also, it should be another defensive line coach for Wyoming is going to Washington State for the same position. That was announced today. Oh, yeah. So is uh, so is the Nevada's defensive coordinator Brian Moore. Sorry, yeah, Nevada defensive coordinator as well. Yes, and I think Nevada was the Nevada D line coach going as well somewhere. I didn't see that, but I saw that Ward was leaving. Maybe oh oh shoot, maybe I misplaced the article on the update for the coaching chart. I'll have to check on that. That's why I meant to say, but he's gone. Um, the first go bowl, San Diego State versus UTSA. Dude, twelve one UTSA. That's pretty good. Conference USA champions. Champion. They crushed Western Kentucky. This will be 11 2, 12 1. This will be an underrated bowl game to watch. It's on, obviously, ESPN. It's a 6 30 local kick, Central Time. Um, it doesn't say the date here. Maybe, maybe I should look at our article, not the Mountain West article on the <laughs> website. But I apologize. I just had that open here. I'm like, I'll just click on it. So, but they play, they'll be an interesting game. The Roadrunners score a lot of points. That'll be, we'll see if Aztecs get things going, right? By then. Hawaii plays Memphis, which I want to say Memphis is a pretty good team, but they're only six and six, Matt. They were pretty average this year. 
So also Hawaii, this is another big thing. We may, we're going to try to do a podcast with RJ Hollis this week to discuss about all the Hawaii craziness mm-hmm. and our buddy Scott as well. They've lost their starting cornerback, um, Shippen Cordero, Didi Hunter. Who else, Anybody else? I know there's a lot more guys, I think. Uh, Aaron, well, he's not in the transfer portal, but Aaron Seppis is no longer on the roster. Okay. Um, they've also lost Cameron Lockridge to the transfer portal, one of their starting mm-hmm. cornerbacks. Um, so, yeah, the exodus, at least for right now, is still ongoing. Okay. And we'll wrap up real quick. The quick lane bull in Nevada versus Western Michigan going out in Detroit, which will be interesting because Western Michigan will have sort of a home field advantage or maybe home fans. And first, you know, the first time a Mountain West team is playing in that bowl, too. Interesting. Okay. Um, also, it's a freaking 11 a.m. Eastern kickoff. Oh, boy. That's going to be that's gonna be an adventure. Yeah. That's a, what day is that? That's on um, December 27th, a Monday. So I guess, sure, why not? Curses break, watch it. Carson Strong, Romeo Dub. This will be, this will be, We'll sell this game. This will be a pretty game. We're, we'll dive into these deeper. We're just kind of hustling through here because we got to go. First responders bowl, which was a shock, kind of a surprise that this ha- happened. Air Force versus Louisville, which is good. You get to play a team from the ACC. Mm-hmm. So it's a mid-afternoon game, man. Air Force has won a couple bowl games. They're back-to-back. They have been to 11 bowl games under Troy Calhoun, so there's that. Yes. And it's obviously the first time they played Louisville, and it'll be a – it's always fun, fun in bowl games and Air Force plays a random team who never sees a triple option. However – Louisville plays Georgia Tech. I don't know if they played them this year, but they're in the ACC. So there'll be a touch. Well, of Tech, Tech doesn't run the triple option anymore, though. Last year. But but Scott Satterfield, the, the Louisville head coach, right. did did play in the did coach in the Sun Belt for a time, okay. uh, where, right. where he got to face off with Georgia Southern. So he's uh at least passingly familiar with yeah. the triple option. Sorry, I forgot Georgia Tech changed, but okay, there there's some familiar some familiarity there, but it's also always fun to see. It's like we're doing what defense or offense? We have to do what do they do? They What's a fullback coach? Can you tell me what huh. that is? <laughs> and the final bowl game is the bowl game. We, oh boy. The Arizona Boise Bowl. State, 100%. Arizona's Bowl, Boise State, Central Michigan. Andy Alvarez is trying to make an eight and five record as Boise State team playing a pretty good eight and four Central Michigan team. Um, it's a New Year's Eve game, which means nobody's going to watch, which um, there is a free way to watch this game, but I'm not going to watch it. I'm just telling you right now, guys. I don't care. We'll, we'll, you want to watch Creed we'll, halftime we'll, match? We'll tell you how to watch it, but uh, um, uh, safe to say our our temper our enthusiasm is somewhat muted. I guess um, Creed's at halftime. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be the, it's gonna be the worst. I'll listen. I'll listen to the boy till um. Oh, what's his name? He does it for a voice. I forget. Um, I should I should know his name, but I'll probably listen to the radio broadcast because why not? So that, that's a bowl game they're in. So we'll see how that goes. So, uh, so, to, so to wrap all this up, I mean, because I know we uh, sort of ran through the games real quick, and we'll talk about them individually more at length. Yep. Sort of what's your first impression of this bowl lineup? Because I know a lot of people are, are sort of at, at the moment unhappy in terms of, you know, why are we facing so many MAC teams? Why are we facing Conference USA teams? And I think it was Reddit College Football put it out there that there's like 42, Seven. 43 bowls out there. Seven of them this year are between power five and group of five teams. And so I don't, don't really count the New Year's Six or Plath as one of those because you have to have that. And yeah, so I, I would say that, you know, what whatever problem, quote unquote, the Mountain West has isn't necessarily isolated to our conference. So like, what would you say to get people hyped up for this slate of bowl games? You get to watch your team play another freaking college football game. Well, what else do you want? Look at last year. How many teams didn't want to go to a bowl game? Because Understandably, with COVID and everything, Boise State dropped out, like, we're not doing this. My University of Utah team, like, we're done. We miss, like, every other week. 
it's another it's another t- t- team, another time to see your team. And if you're like freaking out a Fresno State fan, I get to see a new quarterback who could be playing next year. Mm-hmm. If I'm a San Diego State fan, I get the bad taste of losing the Mountain West title game to play a really good Roadrunner team in Conference USA. If I'm Hawaii, it's well, Hawaii, same thing. I get to see, even though there's turmoil and there's a lot of weird stuff going on there with Todd Graham and everything, you get to see a lot of new players who may not, who might be leaving the team next season. That's part of it. If you're Nevada, I want to see strong the dubs one more time, right? Mm-hmm. There, there, there's reason to be excited, but I get mix an American team would be nice. But here's the thing too, location. I get the quick lane bowls in the Eastern time zone, but the Mountain West and Old Rock used to have their conference champion going to the freaking Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee. That's true. Like, they want teams to stay in their geographical region, but then it's like, well, why does the map come out here? Like, well, I can't explain that for you, but you're not going to play many Pac-12 teams. You're not going to play any Big 12. It'd be nice. Cheese it Bowl, we've had there occasionally, but I would just say it's another t- time to see your team. And if you're being honest, when you play the Mountain West team, it's like, well, there's no much difference to the 8-4 Western Michigan team than a whatever record air force you know what i mean like in that match or those matchups mm-hmm. um but, but i get the thing but power fives want to play each other which is understandable tv networks would rather have that but watch your team play again and be excited for another college football game that's it's a fun tv show to watch just go watch your team and have fun let's Don't let's put it this way we're we're gonna do bowl podcasts in the, in the next few weeks and i'm gonna yeah. make sure that i give people reasons to tune into each game Heck yeah we're gonna talk to the guys who cover the team either written or pod, spoken on podcasts we're gonna just keep, pay attention, man. It's not a football game. Just you can be you can be forgiven for not thinking about Central Michigan football this year. We'll do it for you. We're we're gonna we're gonna do the thinking <laughs> for you, and we're gonna we're gonna make sure that it's worth your while to tune into those games. All of us, all of our writers, we'll have plenty of stuff out there to get everybody going because bowl week is December eighteenth, and we're it's a couple weeks. Two weeks. So here's what our plan. Real quick, we wrap up here. Our plan kind of the sixth week. We're gonna. Oh, here's my mic. We're gonna do a. I believe a Hawaii centric podcast this week mm-hmm. at some point. Um, we may do an early bowl stuff and we, we'll figure out. We have a couple of podcasts planned up. Me and Matt need to discuss offline, but at minimum, we're going to do something about Hawaii this week because that's a wild situation. And maybe we'll do a fun podcast about us screwing up on our preseason predictions for us and our staff. That'll be fun, right? We just make mm-hmm. fun of ourselves. Stuff like that. So just stay tuned, subscribe, MWR.com, Twitter, MWR. And season's almost over, but we got you covered. It's year-round here, football. Don't worry about it, folks. We got you covered. We're good. And with that, we'll see you in a couple days.